0: When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit Instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply.
1: This is LSA Todd III, and you're listening to The Jake Brown Show.
2: and welcome to the post-super bowl edition of the jake brown show on radio.com itunes and spotify what a classic game we had sunday In Minnesota, as the Eagles capture their first Super Bowl, defeating the Dynasty Patriots, 41-33. Nick Fold wins Super Bowl MVP. We'll go through it all. Also on the show this week is former Eagle and Patriot himself, Ellis Hobbs, will join us to talk about the game. We'll talk about the ratings, Malcolm Butler, celebrations, JT, new coaching moves, all that. But first, before we get into all that, here on the Jake Brown Show. It's Jake's take the tribute to the Philadelphia Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles enter the season with little to no expectations of coming very close to the Super Bowl. Doug Peterson had a mediocre 7-9 first ever season as a NFL head coach last year. The hope was for Carson Wentz to take the next step in his sophomore season, have the Eagles potentially compete for a playoff spot at 9-7 and seven or 10-6? and six. Nobody thought this team would compete with the big boys in the NFC, let alone the Giants and Cowboys in their own division. That is whence everything took a turn. The 25-year-old quarterback out of North Dakota State had the Eagles in cruise control. Wentz had the Eagles at 10-2 going into a big matchup with the Sizzling Rams in Los Angeles. A back-and-forth shootout quickly turned into a horror movie. When Carson Wentz left the game with a knee injury, that would be the three most feared letters in sports. A-C-L. A 10-2 start down the drain with a QB who was well on his way to the NFL MVP award in just his second season. 33 touchdowns, just 7 interceptions, and was well on his way to 4,000 yards. And boom, his season was over in the flash of an eye. And who takes his spot? None other than Nick Foles. Wait, Jake, is that the same Nick Foles that took over for Michael Vick in 2013 and put up MVP-like numbers, thrown for 27 touchdowns and two interceptions, leading the Eagles to a 10-6 record and an NFC East title? Is that the same Foles, Jake, that would break his collarbone the next season, go to the Rams in 2015 and look awful, and then be a backup in 2016 for the Chiefs, before the Eagles brought him back this season to back up the young Wentz. Yep, that's the same Nick Foles. Philly would go on to win that game, with Foles playing solid in the fourth quarter to help them get to 11-2. and The record wasn't the point of concern, but now Eagles fans were in panic mode. They lost their MVP QB in a season that looked like it had Super Bowl aspirations. The same aspiration that rose less than six weeks prior on Halloween when they got a nice little trick-or-treat basket filled with Jay Ajayi from Miami to join LeGarrette Blount in the backfield. The hope was that the defense could get them on a playoff run and maybe they catch a few breaks. Foles had a good game against the miserable Giants next, but looked atrocious the final two weeks of the season against the mediocre Raiders and the mediocre Cowboys. Then the playoffs came, and Big Dick Nick put on the Conor McGregor strut on that field in Philadelphia in the month of January. Foles played good enough to get a win over the Falcons, then was magnificent in a blowout win over the number one defense in the Minnesota Vikings in the NFC Championship, stopping the Vikings from having the first-ever potential home field in the Super Bowl. A one-time MVP candidate in 2013 turned backup QB just led the Eagles to a Super Bowl five years later with the help of fantastic, fearsome defense, some good receivers, and a revamped backfield. All Foles and the Eagles had to do was go up against a team with five rings in 15 years with the same Hall of Fame head coach, quarterback combo, that was seeking a ring for their second hand. No pressure, Nicholas. But that's when Foles saved his best for last. 373 yards and three touchdown passes in a wild Super Bowl shootout in Minnesota. Foles made all the throws he had to when he had to. Not to mention the guy was unstoppable on third down. And when you thought the 29-year-old did it all, he added more magic to the Super Bowl party. Foles caught a touchdown pass on a fourth-and-goal trick play from the one-yard line. Backup QB to starting QB to Super Bowl to receiver. Just like that. Foles made the misery end in Philly. He helped the Eagles capture their first-ever Super Bowl in franchise history, absolutely igniting a city that has been so accustomed to losing in football a city so passionate and hungry for success they were getting the knack for the past 25-plus years of throwing snowballs at Santa Claus, the same franchise that failed to beat the Brady Belichick-led Patriots with Donovan McNabb at the helm for the Eagles 13 years prior. Revenge is sweet in the land of brotherly love. This is a team that went from mediocre to Super Bowl aspirations being nearly taken away from the fan base to a backup quarterback, and a stellar defense covering up an MVP QB injury, a Pro Bowl left tackle injury, a Pro Bowl running back injury, just to name a few. Now topping the almighty New England Patriots, the ultimate NFL dynasty. Does the story write itself any better than this? This is why we love sports. This is why we love the game. Games like this and stories like this are why we live and breathe sports. You couldn't have wrote the script Back in September, or even in December, when the team was 10-2. and two. But it happened. The Eagles made history in a stretch of sports where we we're seeing it more and more. The Astros won the World Series in 2017 for the first time in franchise history. The Cubs won in 2016 for the first time in 108 years. This time, the Eagles won their first Super Bowl and their first championship since 1960. 58 years waiting. That's a fan base That was hungrier than a Jewish man on Yom Kippur. That's a fan base so thrilled to win that one man actually ate horse poop off the street. That's a city so electric, they had to do the parade four days after the game to prepare the city for what's about to be an absolute zoo on Thursday. Close the offices, folks. That city was ignited to another stratosphere Sunday night into Monday morning. And now... They can celebrate with their heroes on Thursday in a parade that every single Philly fan has waited their entire lives for. Every one of them will never forget where they were when David took down Goliath. Foles took down Brady. Peterson took down Belichick. Philly took down Boston. The Eagles took down the Patriots in one of the great Super Bowls we have ever seen. It's truly the time now to fly eagles fly this is the jake brown show on radio.com itunes and spotify and you can follow us on twitter at jake brown show follow me at jake brown radio man what a game uh, you heard it there threw in some references talked about just the sensational back and forth and the four quarters of greatness that we saw and I had a mediocre tweet that ended up on PIX11 News uh, because of it, which is just so bizarre because it wasn't even that good of a tweet, Um, but it made it on there. Uh, But, again, uh, it was sensational watching Nick Foles and watching Nick Foles how flawless this guy was on third down. Nick Foles was 11 for 14 with 169 yards, two touchdowns, Nine first downs, 156.5 passer rating. Almost perfect on third down was Big Dick Nick, as they call him. And the Patriots did all they can. Tom Brady on the final play, he did all he can. But in the end, he fumbled the football and it was one of the biggest turnovers of his career. You knew they were if he doesn't fumble that they're probably going to drive for a touchdown. But he didn't. So this time, this time the Eagles were the ones that took No days off. No days off.
0: No days off. No days off.
2: No days off. No days off no days off I mean it was sensational to watch what the Eagles defense did there in that stretch the Patriots they joined the Broncos as the only team to lose five Super Bowls one five lost five five and five in the Super Bowl and there's a lot of questions around the game there's a lot of storylines about the game off the field everything let's get into it first off Malcolm Butler finds out right before the game that he wasn't playing. We talked about it with our guests on the show later on. We'll end the show with Ellis Hobbs. Finds out before the game. Eric Rowe finds out that he's going to play right before the game. The same Rowe that was cut by the Eagles after 2015. This is Malcolm Butler, the same guy who saved them against the Seahawks in the Super Bowl a few years ago. Played nothing. (laughs) Nothing. Except for one play on a special team's play on a punt return. Now, if you're not going to play him, why even play him on that one play? By the way, it was the only punt of the game. That's how much of a shootout this was. If you bet heavy on the over, you won a lot of money. I, I'd lost all my boxes, came so close, but I did win $138 because I'd bet the Eagles plus four and a half, and I bet them to win. It was plus 170 for them to win. I'm like, why am I going to go minus 200 and bet the Patriots? Why not throw 60 bucks on the Eagles plus 170 and I end up winning one or two on that and then 40 to win 36 on uh, on the uh, plus four and a half. Belichick claims it was a football decision. There is a 0.000% chance that that was the case. Because if it's a football decision, Butler's playing over row. You don't sit one of your best defenders. And Nick Foles absolutely lit them up because of it. 28 of 43, 373 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. And Trey Burton even had had a pass for a touchdown that was caught by none none other than Nick Foles. On that fourth and goal, gutsy call. I was happy because I in the boxes... I had 8-5 and or I had something, what the score was then, where if the Eagles didn't get that, that was before the half, right? It happened right before the half. I had the halftime score. If they didn't get that, I would have had the halftime score right. And they went for it. I'm like, me and my friend sitting next to each other, both had the same ones in different pools. We're like, come on, come on, they can't get this. They get it. And you have to respect the way they got it. Just an absolutely brilliant play call. Something that Brady could not do. Something that Brady failed to do, which was catch a pass. He just couldn't get it. Brady failed to do what Nick Foles was able to. Come on, son. He couldn't do it. Can't play with him. Can't coach with him. Can't do it. And, man... Nick Foles, the whole city of Philadelphia right now is just... They have to. I mean, they have to be feeling amazing to the point where one man ate poop. He ate horse poop off of the floor. So that was the big storyline, Malcolm Butler crying for the National Anthem. Now we know why he was during the National Anthem. It wasn't because he was emotional about the song or the game. It was emotional because he was not playing. And he gets notified right before the game. And if it was late to a practice or whatever late it was, only Belichick does that. This is too big of a game, and Belichick's so arrogant that he said, you know what, we'll win without you. You didn't. Next man up. Next man up. No days off. No days off. Play it for me again, Pat. No days off. No days off. And there were no days off. No days off. No days, days off. off. Well, somebody took a day off, and that was no Eric Rowe. days off. No
1: days
2: off. That was it. And if you want to win that game, you play Butler. If he plays, do the Patriots automatically win? No, of course not. You never know what happens. But that Pat secondary was lit up. Just awful defense, especially in the first half. So that was one of the big storylines of this game. Matt Patricia, the Lions, is gonna be the Lions' new head coach, the defensive coordinator. So he's gone. And uh they're gonna and McDaniels is gone. So Josh McDaniels is going to the Colts. So they lose their offensive defensive coordinator And of course, after the game, the storylines are is Brady Belichick done? Are they done? Are they going to be back? Who knows? Slow your roll. That's a lot of clickbait. That's a lot of let's get a storyline in a week that's going to be slow now that the football's over and baseball hasn't started yet. We get the NBA trade deadline, of course. But that's one of those storylines that comes up every year. And. Brandon Browner, a former Patriot, revealed in multiple Instagram posts he believes Butler violated a couple of rules and rumblings around Minneapolis indicate it might have been a curfew problem for Butler as well. So clearly, curfew's probably out popping bottles, or he's out with friends in a week where there's a lot of friends and family and celebrities in town. And that seems to be the case. Ian Rapport said it was basically a perfect storm of things from start to finish for Butler in the week leading up to the Super Bowl. He showed up a day later than teammates because he was sick. He was not an opening night. That was a factor. He's told that during practice this week he really struggled. He had a rough week of practice, perhaps because of illnesses, but maybe because of other things. And that was something that I considered when they put Eric Rowe out there instead of him. Apparently there were also disciplinary issues, and there was a small or minor violation of team rules that happened early in the week. Then there was some attitude and frustrations as well. And it seemed like all these bottled up to say you're not going to be out there, Malcolm Butler. It's also just very odd that on the only punt of the game in the second quarter that Butler was on the field. Why play him at all? Either sit him or don't. Why have him in uniform? Have him come out on a punt return. That is a ultimate slap in the face, but not even play one play, even as a backup at cornerback. That secondary couldn't cover any of the Eagles' wideouts. And, of course, Eric Rowe's not going to be able to cover him. He's prepping all week to be the guy off the bench and not play much. Instead, he plays every play out of nowhere in the biggest game of his life. I mean, give me a break. Bill's got to relax. But it it usually works for him, not this time. And give credit to the Eagles defense. When they needed it most, they got the job done. Brandon Graham with the huge strip. And he talked with Draymond Green during the week saying he wants to make a game-changing fumble, strip sack, fumble, and he did that and it took a perfect bounce to the Eagles. They hit the field goal, up eight. Comes down to the last play, which you love in a Super Bowl, coming down to the last play. Great Hail Mary attempt, honestly. It was very close. If amandola's one more, if is standing in the end zone, he might catch that deflection. I think he's waiting at the one to see if it bounces back to him, which you understand. But if he's in a different spot there, that's a touchdown, and they go for two and try to send this thing to a second straight overtime. Remember, last year was the first overtime in the history of Super Bowls. So Malcolm Butler was the key storyline in terms of ratings. Smallest audience in nine years, which I don't see as a big deal. And I know I was talking with Jason Smith on Twitter about this and the fact that he thought last year's Super Bowl hat didn't have as had less appeal to this or something. He guess what? The Eagles with a backup quarterback. The Eagles overall don't have a national appeal. There's not a national appeal to this team. They're not the Cowboys. They're not the Giants. I mean, they're not a New York team. They're not the Cowboys who are considered America's team, which I hate calling them that. They don't – They're even the Seahawks, I think, are more of a story. with Russell Wilson, the Eagles, one, aren't a story, but the Eagles with Nick Foles really aren't a story. I know they're going for the first Super Bowl, but nationally – not as many people care about them, and there's so many different things going on that you could see why some people weren't football fans weren't watching. Smallest audience in nine years. 2009 was smaller. The Steelers' Cardinals, 98.7 million when the Steelers uh, beat the Cardinals 27-23 in that Super Bowl. 103.4 million watched this year, the 10th most watched program in American history. Behind the MASH finale in 1983. Now, Pat... And an Eddie behind the boards. Was I wasn't alive then. You that's when you had hair, and I'm assuming we're a kid. Was the MASH MASH finale? Did you watch that up? Ab- I, I that? did not watch MASH, but I do remember. Do you understand why it was that popular though? that it got yeah, I that just many know views? it
3: was such a huge show. Like I remember as a kid that's all I ever heard when the Super Bowl came on. Like, especially from my parents. It's like it's the Super Bowl and MASH. It MASH and, was on during the Super Bowl or after No, no, it was always the comparison. Like, oh, Super Bowl okay. gets the ratings, only M.A.S.H. I don't, I mean... So I, M.A.S.H. I remember, was accumulating 100 million views? I, I never watched M.A.S.H. Even as a kid, I didn't watch M.A.S.H. But I remember, like, other top shows, like, I think Cheers, when Cheers went off the air, yeah. they always were, there was always a story, like, is it going to be M.A.S.H.? Is it going to, you know, like, that was always the comparison. But your parents but yeah.
2: were big M.A.S.H. fans. At least my
3: dad was. The monster I remember, M.A.S.H. I, re- <laughs> I remember, like... <laughs> catching like some repeats but
2: i was never really a big i've never seen one episode you know no a yeah. hundred plus million i mean that's it was, amazing that it's behind a mash finale and it must have been an epic finale it's like the game of thrones kind of thing and then you were going to tack on 2.6 million f- uh, viewers who streamed it online or app so essentially there was 106 million people around that range a little more were watching during halftime for the people who don't care about sports who wanted to watch Justin Timberlake, which we'll get into in a second. Uh, But, you know, that's kind of what I expected. I didn't expect it to be the top-rated Super Bowl. Nick Foles and the Eagles aren't drawing that many eyeballs. And I'll argue last year that the Falcons came in as a team. You said, this team might have a shot. This is the Falcons' offense that could score. This is an interesting team. You have Matt Ryan going for his first Super Bowl. I think that had a little bit more appeal than this game did have coming in. I know this was a rematch. A Super Bowl rematch was cool and everything, but I think last year's had a little bit more of appeal because I think you thought the Falcons might have more chance, and, and and it's a better offense. This is Nick Foles, but Foles proved us wrong. You didn't know what Nick Foles you were gonna get, and we got the great one. So in terms of ratings, not too surprised. Just that that Mash thing, um, the Mash thing is crazy. I mean, when I when I heard Mash finale, I was like, get out. I was like, what? Get out.
3: Mash? Get out. Get out. Hello. Hello. Mash? Hello. You have to remember though in 1983 there were probably only three television networks. You know, there was no That's Netflix, true. there that was no true. cable was probably like a newer thing. So um and there was no there was probably I mean there was no DVR, you had to record on your VHS. and I remember it being, that being a pain in the ass. It didn't always work. So everybody probably stayed home to, yeah, watch, it's much, to it's watch their favorite a, and show. And it's just wild
2: that it's it got more than a Super Bowl. When you think about it, you're right. There weren't a ton of channels, so it's not like they had a ton of options, really. Um, so, I mean, I see it. I, I, I see it. And I think there's so many things to watch now that, I don't know, it, it's not Giants' pass is going to get more. The Super Bowls that are going to get more than this one. Um, but those who did watch missed a heck of a game. And in my opinion, a lot of ways, this game was better than last year's because of the fact that I thought it was exciting from the first to the end. I think the fact that the Eagles had a lead at a half made it interesting. The Patriots came back. The Patriots take the lead. Remember, the Eagles missed the extra point, which changed the facet of the game because the Patriots were on top, and then, of course, they get the touchdown. But that got very interesting uh, in that situation. Uh, missed extra point, and then a missed field goal. As well, there were a couple of missed kicks that factored into this game, uh, which which made it very, very fun and exciting. Um halftime show the story of the halftime show really ended up being the selfie kid the kid who takes a selfie everyone's looking in the background and then there was a screenshot of people didn't even realize but the guy holding up two phones behind him like laugh, everyone's laughing like look at this guy with two phones that guy's freddie mitchell former eagles great was behind selfie kid i mean in that shot people didn't even realize like who is that guy and and, and i caught it and then mark malouf credited me on on Twitter saying, good eye. I thought, I thought that was someone familiar. It was Freddie Mitchell, the former Eagle. Uh, so that kid took over. What's JT wearing? I mean, this is one of the richest people, entertainers there is, and we he's got a bandana. He looked like he just got out of, like, a hunting session. I mean, JT, man. I mean, what are you doing? Come on, son. I mean, that was a bizarre costume choice.
1: You, you are fake
2: news. I mean, you can't at a halftime show wear what JT was wearing. And uh, you, you're you just saying to JT, hello? like, hello. what? Like, where did that costume choice come from? The performance, as a lot of them do, obviously lip singing happens, and, and you expect that, especially with all the dance moves that he has. And the fact that he's walking all over the field and into the crowd. I know I'm sure there was heightened security, but, boy, in this day and age, you're going to have a guy like Justin Timberlake going up into the crowd. Uh, that was a little odd, but I'm sure it was planned and they, and they knew what was going on, but still a little odd. Uh, you wonder if the selfie kid was a setup, but he he's yeah. looking at his phone. He, and uh,
3: He was on one of the um, morning news shows. I a good I mean, morning, America. Yeah, I saw and, that. And they, they said that he was in a special section. So he didn't know what was going to happen, but he was told – Something was going to happen in his section.
2: Okay, so they knew. So I'm sure they had heightened security as well in that section. Uh, so, so no, no one's tacking JT, and they got the selfie kid, and then you got Freddie Mitchell, former Eagles great, right behind that nobody noticed. I caught it. A lot of people didn't catch it, but it's Freddie Mitchell right behind selfie kid. He was diagonally behind him if you look at the picture. Uh, but really, though, not that great. He did the little prince tribute, brought out no surprises. It seems like he was doing all he can to do it a complete opposite, a complete 180, a complete 180 to the Janet Jackson situation. There was no, uh, I mean, there was a wardrobe malfunction because we don't know what the hell he was wearing. So technically there was a second wardrobe malfunction this year. But it, it, it didn't leave me like in awe. And I love Justin Timberlake, and I like his new album. I like some of the songs on the new album. But it was a very blah, halftime performance, and it didn't have as many storylines as maybe I hoped it would. I
3: liked the dancing with the mic when he had the mics on the stand and he was doing that dancing. I thought that yeah, was neat. that was um, all right. I think the Prince thing was okay. I think it could have been better.
2: It was an odd time, too. It but, just came out of nowhere, too. Right.
3: I, I mean... It was but I like did, the
2: holograph behind him pops right, up, and he just starts playing whatever the piano. But I
3: liked, actually, in the beginning, I think it was the second song, he when he sung Rock Your Body, and he kind of, like, didn't sing that last line, but he was like, ah... Like, like I guess that was, like, his... To the whole Janet Jackson thing.
2: Yeah, he did reference that. Yeah. That's That was what people were saying, but... Left much to be desired for me. Uh, so not a tremendous halftime show. Uh, the, the next story would be the Eagles fan celebrations. I mean, after that, I saw videos people were celebrating at halftime when they had a lead. Uh, they end up winning the game. A fan literally ate poop off the street, horse poop, horse shit off the street. Facades fell down. What I noticed with videos I've seeing all these like flower pots were destroyed. I mean, they destroyed the city. The city's in shambles. So much show that usually a Super Bowl is 2 days, the parade is 2 days after the game. This one they don't have till Thursday cuz they got to get the city ready to recoup. They got to get ready to parade. One everyone's too hung over to do it Tuesday. And they need a couple days to breathe. It's just very intriguing to me because in our generations, we like to say millennials, I guess I'm a millennial. It's so on to the next thing. It's like the next morning. It's all new trending topics on Twitter. Even an hour later, I'm sure it's all new trending things. Four days later, for Philly, it won't lose its luster. But for us, as a ca- as uh, not a casual fan, but other fans, different teams, and a fan of the sport, four days later, it's like, all right, we're on to baseball. I guess we're on, we're on to. Uh, four Thursdays, the NBA trade deadline. We're on to other things. Philly, obviously, they're gonna love it. They're gonna that 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 city, Broad Street. That city is gonna be mobbed on Thursday. But it shows you how much destruction went on that they have to do it Thursday and how much recovery needs to go on, drinking-wise and everything, that they have to do it four days later. I don't know. I'd have to look back. But from my, I mean, when I, when I went to the Giants parade, it was two days later. It was on my birthday, the Tuesday. The Super Bowl was Sunday, and it was two days later. And you're like, you know what? You're still in the mode to celebrate. Four days later, personally, I might not be. But Philly's been waiting, fuck, freaking 58 years for this. So facades fell down people were attacking each other they would jump poles were being destroyed and it's going to be bonanzas usually i'd move on to the next thing but i think philly is just going to be in in heaven for at least the rest of this week and and maybe all of february because they're not going to have much to watch with the phillies this year uh the sixers will probably make the playoffs but who knows now with the detroit pistons getting blake griffin they might take a playoff spot from them how good the pistons are with griffin now and the flyers I haven't paid it. What are the Flyers doing? Are they doing anything?
3: The fly uh, that I don't. They've I been don't, bad, right? I know. Look I that know. up
2: for me. Check they, them. What they're at the standing. But the Flyers, I think they're a rebuilding team. So it's it's just Eagles, Eagles, Eagles celebration. I mean, what a story! I mean, it, it it's so remarkable that this team with Nick Foles did it.
3: The Flyers are actually the the next spot out of the wild. Cause they have fifty seven points. The but Islander, they're not in the playoffs. They're right? not in the playoffs right now. The Islanders are the second wildcard team, and they have 50. Well, actually, the Islanders and the Blue Jackets both have 58 points as the wildcard teams,
2: where the Flyers are next with 57. So, so they're a point behind, and that's our hockey talk for the year. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's a city that was hungry, a city that really wanted it, and a city that. Got it. This is the Jake Brown Show. You can find us on podcast.radio.com slash Jake Brown. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on on Spotify, rate us five stars on iTunes slash Apple, whatever you want to call it. Write a review as well. Josh McDaniels off to coach the Indianapolis Colts. Matt Patricia off to coach the Lions. And you know what? It's uh, new coordinators coming in, but it's the same coach and the same quarterback. I don't think Brady and Belichick are leaving. I think that's a bunch of clickbait. They're going to be back next year. I don't see anything changing on that front just because of the fact that Brady still looked good and Belichick still looked good. They still made the Super Bowl, and there were still a couple plays from winning another Super Bowl. And I think Gronk's after the game reaction that he's going to ponder, think about retirement whatever it was. It's purely emotional. He's going to be back for a check next year. There's no reason Gronk leaves. And how, how much different is that game if Brandon Cooks doesn't get hurt? Brandon Cooks is so huge for this team, for Tom Brady. When Julian Edelman went down, Brandon Cooks stepped in and was the true number one wide receiver. And that hit put on him, perfectly legal, very good hit. I think it just kind of blindsided him. He didn't see it coming. And unfortunately, well, as soon as you saw it, you knew he's probably out for the game. It, you feel bad. I mean, you don't feel bad as the Patriots. But the fact that he gets out of that game so early, they didn't even get anything out of him. It's like if they get three quarters out of him, it's a maybe a completely different game. But now without Edelman and now without Cooks, everything changes. And the Patriots had to do something that, that not a lot of teams could do, and they couldn't do it. And I'm glad to see the Eagles finally get the Schneid off their back, finally get that ring and do it for Philly. Because those fans, I mean, people say what you want about them. They love their teams, and I love the setup that they have there, the the arena, football stadium, and baseball stadium, all right next to each other. So it's kind of like everything is going on right in that circle. And I can't imagine Xfinity Live, the, the middle section that they have where they have food and a bar and everyone parties there. I can't imagine how electric. I mean, I saw the video, but you can't imagine being there, how electric that atmosphere must have been. I mean, remarkable. Definitely top five, I'd say, overall Super Bowls we've seen. A couple of minutes left in the show, didn't even mention. I mean, the New York Post wanted to say the Giants won the Super Bowl. They surely won this best Super Bowl commercial by a mile. And it's interesting that it was for the NFL, a commercial. It wasn't like for a product or an insurance company or, or a dilly-dilly. It was a bunch of Bud Light commercials that were okay. I, I like dilly-dilly. Uh, But there was nothing to write home about. The second best one was the Danny DeVito in the m m where he gets run over. And you love that one just because he's the star, obviously, and it's always sunny in Philadelphia. And they were at the game. But nothing topped that Odell Beckham, Eli commercial, Eli holding up Odell in honor of Dirty Dancing. And it was just, I mean, laugh how loud funny. All my friends are watching at a friend's house. Just dying laughing. We're like, is this happening? Because, one, you see emotion out of Eli. Two, Eli dancing is great. Three, it's interesting because it's Eli and OBJ and obviously the controversies that happened this year. It's like, oh, we're buddy-buddy again. And I know a couple of Giants fans, like our buddy Sean Marash, was a little pissed. He's like, oh, you shouldn't be laughing at this. This team is a laughing stock this year. you got to have fun with it. The season's over. You move on. And You can hate Odell you want. But in that commercial, if you did not love that, as a Giants fan or whatever fan you are, you don't have a beating heart. I mean, that commercial was just remarkable. From I followed the choreographer of that commercial on Instagram yesterday because some I saw in someone's comments on Constantine credit the choreographer, so I wanted to see. And they did a lot of b- cool behind-the-scenes stuff to that. But in a lost Giants season, it was nice to see the two Giants stars kind of tribute dirty dancing in a hilarious way, uh, and it was it was. The best part of all the Super Bowl commercials.
3: Really really quick, yeah. do the young fans get the Dirty Dancing reference?
2: At the time, I didn't. I had to read after. I've seen Dirty Dancing, and I know what it references. Okay. But I didn't think of that at the time. I was just thinking of them dancing. I wasn't thinking about the tribute at the time. But then okay. when you look back and analyze it, you realize. But I'm sure there's people younger than me who don't realize. It did, I didn't realize on the spot. You realize when realized when it happened? Yeah, I didn't realize on the spot. Yeah, I didn't realize on the spot. I had to think about that because I've only seen Dirty Dancing like once. Uh, but mm-hmm. I know that Patrick Swayze and who was the actress? Jennifer Grey. And Jennifer Grey uh, pulled that off and, and, and she, he holds yeah. her up in the air. So OBJ was essentially the woman, which makes sense in this <laughs> case. Funny.
3: I thought it was a funny commercial. Um, I actually liked their Cure Insurance commercial when they took the dig at Brady. thought that was funny.
2: I don't remember that one.
3: Um, Well, he said if you cheat on your insurance, you get arrested. If you cheat at football, you get to sleep with supermodels.
2: I don't remember that one. Um, And and then USA
3: Today actually did an online poll, and the the Brady OBJ commercial actually came in a close second.
2: Becca, the OBJ Eli.
3: OBJ Eli one, yeah. Came in second to what? To the Alexa commercial where Alexa lost her voice and the celebrities all took turns filling in. That was actually the most popular commercial of the night.
2: That one was okay, but, n- I mean, come on. OBJ Eli is number one. I don't care what the freaking USA today <laughs> says. They're well, wrong. Poll the entire well, nation. Well, They'll say we, Odell Beckham and Eli I
3: guess won. we could have voted. I didn't
2: vote. I have to watch that Alexa one again. I do remember that one, but I no question. That one's good because all the, whatever, the appearances. But OBJ and Eli, I mean, it just came out of nowhere. And I like the ones where it's not, like it was for the NFL. It wasn't like for a company that paid two, two million it's, it's for the game we're watching so it wasn't like go to the end of it wasn't even the NFL shop I think it was just straight up the NFL it wasn't like go visit NFL shop.com to, to buy an Eli jersey or whatever which who knows how much longer that will last so I, I that's why I appreciated it uh we got about a minute left the, the trade deadline's Thursday DeAndre Jordan could be the next guy in the move I hear the Wizards are interested uh but other than that, the, I mean, Tyler Zeller goes to the to the Bucks from the Nets. Uh, Marcus Smart could be on the move before Thursday. The Knicks, I'm sure, are going to be shopping. Kyle Quinn, maybe Willie Hernan Gomez. We'll see what happens with the Knicks. Uh, lastly, with the shirt on, I like the Todd Frazier signing by the Mets. Eight and a half million a year, two years. You get him for cheap. The market played out. They got him for a good price. Low average. Great leader. A good defensive player. And a guy from New York. A good clubhouse guy who can hit for power. What this will mean, too, is that the Mets may have zero steals on the season. This is going to be one of the slowest teams in baseball. They don't have a true leadoff hitter. Conforto is not even a true leadoff hitter. He should be a three-hitter, and he's going to be out at least for a month and probably longer usually based on how Mets injuries work. Uh, but to, to wrap it up, I like the signing. Uh, Frazier, thumbs up on that. No more thumbs down. Unless we go thumbs sideways, thumbs out. I mean, what, else, what other way is there to do it? Uh, but please don't sell those. If I have to see thumbs down on the Mets now from the Yankees, take that garbage out of Queens. So keep that in the freaking Bronx. We don't want that. Um, but football's over. That's it. Uh, thanks everybody for the birthday wishes yesterday. Had a good birthday. Had a nice Benny Hanna dinner. Uh, the most filling dinner ever. I mean, if you don't end up on the toilet after Benny Hanna, you have a good, in, a good intestines, immune system. I don't know, colon. Uh, but yeah, pooping away after after that. But, but well worth it. I mean, you get the you get the Benny tree, you get the chicken, shrimp, and the steak with the chicken fried rice, and then they throw the onions in there. That's the only place they eat vegetables. Zucchini. Uh, they they cook it with the sauces, and they sang Happy Birthday, and they sang it in like Japanese too. Uh, it was a black guy who sang it in Japanese, which was very cool because you don't always see that. So that was that was a, a warming uh, birthday. Good weekend. Yes, I i uh in case you didn't see it on every social media platform i was pretty hyped because nine months of unemployment ends uh associate site manager mlb.com will be working with the highlights game nights game day starting spring training uh start training this week uh we'll be working a lot with the site and all the 30 team sites writing out whatever highlight goes on it's going to be a lot of baseball watching which i love so I'm, I'm looking forward to that we'll still be doing the jake brown show we'll still be writing for the next blog with SNY, and and um and still on the prowl to take this show to a newer platform. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the show. Incredible Super Bowl. Congrats to the Philadelphia Eagles. Congrats to their fa- long-suffering fan base. Congrats to my buddies Tommy Provine and Melissa Stice, who both predicted the Eagles and who were right. Coming on the show last week, they did it. Very happy for them. Very happy it's over. Now now I don't care if they win again. It's over. Like As a Jets and Giants fan, I don't want them or the Patriots to ever win again. Uh, But that's the end of the football. Now it's focused on basketball, and the Knicks probably tanking for a pick. And on to spring training, which is just around the corner. Coming up next to wrap up this Episode of the show. We're only for now doing one show this week. We'll come back with a guest next week. Um, but make sure you subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. Coming up next is former Eagle and Patriot. We'll talk about this game as we have you covered on Super Bowl 52. The former Eagle, former Patriot, cornerback, Ellis Hobb joins us next, right here on the Jake Brown Show. We will see you next week, folks.
0: When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit Instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply.
2: And we're back on the Jake Brown Show, Radio.com, iTunes, and Spotify. We talked about just the classic game and... David taking down Goliath, and a guy who played for both David and Goliath, uh, played for the Pats from 2005 to 2008, and the Eagles 2009 to 2010 is Ellis Hobbs, EH3. Follow him on Twitter, at Ellis Hobbs. Man, what a game, huh? Like, what's going on through your mind in that game for both teams that you played for? You had to be kind of in a conundrum.
1: Um, Not really, man. I think uh, with me, because I've been behind the curtain, kind of knowing who Mickey Mouse is, um outside of Disney World, you know, you you now intimately cheer for your friends. And so I have friends on both sides of the ball, both sides of both teams. So Brandon Graham, uh Tom of course, Steve Dutowski, um, you know, Raven Tron who's a special teams coach for the Patriots and, and a few others. Uh actually also uh, Jalen Mills, uh, mm. I don't know him personally, but he went to my high school and so um uh, not that far removed, you know, from him being behind me. But that's that's how I cheer now uh, I was excited, you know, just because um, if you had to put it uh synonymous so say with the, the divorce situation, where if you live uh, longer with mom than dad, of course, I'm going to like mom a little bit better. So the Patriots <laughs> were a little bit more on a, a positive side with me. And then I had some legal issues with the with the Eagles at the end of my career. But uh, either way, man, I was just happy um, that my friend um, and colleague, you know, Brandon Graham was able to uh, do what he did at the end of the game. And uh, couldn't be more pleased, man, that thankfully no one got hurt outside of um, that hard hit that Cooks took. And, um, you know, it was an exciting game. Uh, You know, was defense prevalent? I don't think so from a passing situation. (laughs) But, uh, But, yeah, man, it was an exciting game.
2: Yeah, and the defense prevalent point. I mean, how shocked were you? We still have no idea what the exact reason is, but the fact that Malcolm Butler didn't play. But he did play one snap on a punt return, which makes you think, why the hell wasn't he out there on defense?
1: yeah I mean, yeah with that being said, and, and I've seen it you know numerous of times where Bill is very, very hard stand on his rules and regulations. And so for whatever it was, you know it had to be clearly detrimental to the health uh, psyche and just um, you know conduct and policies of, of the football team to where uh, Bill has won enough with and without Malcolm Butler, but specifically without that um, to not necessarily prove a point but to, to show you um, that the rules will not change. And so, um, you know, whether you agree with that or I agree with that or disagree with that, you know, that's not to say, but Bill has enough clout and has enough history in winning to where he doesn't feel that pressure of needing to win that championship. You put any other coach in that situation, I truly believe that, you know, they're getting a call from the uh, from the top down mm-hmm. uh, of putting him in or even question, you know, but I think Bill um, is justified in what he did and, and, and you know, sacrificing the team, sacrificing the win. You know, who's to say? But it definitely, um, the back end and the secondary took a hit back there without him being, uh, I would say available, without him being involved.
2: Yeah, and and also what makes it alarming is that the guy replaced him is Eric Rowe. No disrespect to Eric Rowe, but he's a guy who played similar to you with both teams. He played for the Eagles. The Eagles cut him. Uh, they know who he was, and, and they were, I mean, elated that he was starting over Butler, not to say – butler's this all pro cornerback but this is a guy who saved them a couple of years with the pick in the super bowl um and who didn't find out until before the game that he wasn't playing did you ever have a situation like that where where you or another player got whispered in the ear it's like all right you're 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 not starting today right before uh, a big game
1: no nah, man i um
2: I feel like it never I, happens I, I never put
1: my, yeah man, i never put myself in that type of situation not not to say that you know, Butler did those things, but I just always made sure that, um, you know, we're not, we're not getting down to those controversial moments. But, you know, to your point, I didn't even realize that Roe did play for the Eagles, but um, Bill is very methodical in everything he does, right? Mm-hmm. And So when it comes to strategy, when it comes to information, when it really comes to counsel as well, because he definitely uses, uh, you know, an inner circle to take advice from, and ultimately he makes those decisions. But uh, you would think that he actually, you know, factored that in, where it was a last-minute decision. Um, and it might have it was purposely done as a last-minute decision for the fact that, you know, he doesn't want them to have that information or intel, you know, to game plan against Roe. But nonetheless, they knew him very well, like you said, and they did as such, you know, and, and it exposed during the game. I think with Roe, he did the best that he could do. But it's very difficult as a cornerback and, a, and a, as a nickelback or interior guy to, to move from one side or another. That's why you really have to appreciate guys that can do that. And, you know, when you talk about, you know, just a psyche – of someone going in with the expectations of playing one role and all of a sudden is magnified to a completely different role on the biggest stage that can ever be, you know, in football. You know, that's that's a lot to handle, man. So, you know, my hat's off the road to continue the – you know, he played He played to the best of his abilities, but I don't never necessarily think it was an ability situation. It was more of just the situation itself and what he was thrown into.
2: Ellis Hobbs, former Patriots and Eagles cornerback, joining us for a few more minutes. Follow him on Twitter, at Ellis Hobbs, here on the Jake Brown Show. Uh, every, a lot of people, Ellis, you know how it is every year, want to make the rumors that... This is the end of the Brady Belichick reign, and then what happens? They look like an idiot, and they come back next year uh, for Super Bowl. Now they lose their offense coordinator, they lo- lose their defensive coordinator. How do you see this playing out? I think they're personally going to be back next year, and everything will be the same, and they'll probably make the Super Bowl. Um, but do you think? Do you think this Super Bowl changed things a little bit?
1: No, man. I, I mean, when you talk about the, the people in the naysayers, that you know, I like to just synonimize with losers. You know, losers like to talk loser talk
3: mm-hmm. and so
1: how many times do they have to prove to you that it doesn't matter who's in there or what's going on um obviously you need those key components um you know in belichick and brady and uh, and a few other uh situations not necessarily that person but someone could conceptually match what they're looking what they're what they're actually wanting in their position but i mean they've done it over and over again and they've been successful at it everybody takes bumps in the road, but. Relatively speaking with the Patriots, their bumps are a lot different than the Cleveland Browns. Their bumps are mm-hmm. a lot different than, I would say, um, the Buffalo Bills, who are actually uptrending right now. But still, you because of the success and the winning that they've had, you vastly underestimate how difficult it actually is to win a game, not even consistently, not even a streak, not even successful over years. just win a game. And so they've set a new bar with the type of winning that they've done, and I don't really understand or know what else they can do but I would I would imagine that they're going to recalibrate, you know, refocus like a stock, you know, in the market or whatever, consolidate, and then they continue the uptrend as long as uh, those key components are there.
2: Last one. You played in Philly. This team wins the Super Bowl for the first time. I mean, what's? I mean, how do you feel for this city? I mean, I said this city was hungrier than a Jewish man on Yom Kippur not eating. I mean, right. this is incredible for them.
1: Yeah, I will give you one better. It's like Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. You know they're Jan Brady <laughs> up until this year, and um, you know they've always been there, but you know close but not enough. And mm-hmm. so the city of Philadelphia definitely was deserving of it, man. They've seen so much talent come through there, and for some reason or another, and I actually got to experience that firsthand. Of uh, it's just something missing, and so when you talk about the city itself, you know, mm-hmm. not necessarily. I don't really care about the owner or things of that nature. Um, you know, Lurie. You know, hey, you won, but you know, whatever. The uh, the city itself, definitely deserving of it, man. Those players, uh, like I said, Brandon Graham, those guys that I actually got the experience, saw them come in firsthand as rookies, man. Um, developed himself into a leader, and people followed him. Um, you know, but Peterson, knowing him as a coach when he was uh, an assistant coach, and just a uh, very humble approach to the game,
0: mm-hmm. very
1: gutsy calls throughout the game, and really believed in himself and his team. And, you know, my hat's off to him.
2: Ellis Hobbs, former Pat and Eagle, Ellis Hobbs on Twitter. Uh, Thanks for coming on the show, man. Appreciate you taking the time. Hey, man, no problem. Thank you.